Hey, but beans, it's your boy Riz, and welcome to episode 13 of Riz Radio. This episode of Riz Radio is presented by Enhanced CBD. Go to enhanced.com now to start shopping and use our promo code Riz, that's R I Z Z, for 20% off your first order and get free shipping on all orders over 115 bucks. Train harder, recover smarter with the number one CBD for combat athletes and fans around the world. There's topicals, gummies, oil, and a whole lot more. Go to enhanced.com and start shopping now. It's enhanced.com, promo code Riz. All right, episode 13, UFC 265 is this upcoming weekend, and like every pay-per-view event, I did want to get into it a little bit, talk about picks, betting lines, betting movement, and uh, and and if you don't already, you know, make sure to to go look at Fight Night Picks on YouTube, Instagram. The the, the content they do is is amazing, and especially if you like betting on betting on MMA, I think uh, I think you would enjoy it if you haven't already checked it out. And I have Craig Allen on, which is is one of the two voices of Fight Night Picks, and we just talk UFC 265, some of the line movement. We talk about the fights, really get into it from a technical aspect. I don't think you're going to find more of a technical breakdown than what me and Craig did on this episode. And I think uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy at least the fight fans out there. And then we talk a little bit, you know, about UFC cards and and, and the prism and the select that just came out and then some of the other fights we're looking forward to in 2021 it's a it's a fun episode and i hope you guys enjoy it as always subscribe leave a good review do what you do and let's keep taking this thing to the moon and here's episode 13 now to welcome on to riz radio a very special guest of fight night picks we have craig allen welcome to the program my man man thanks so much for having me i'm really looking forward to it loving the stuff uh, that you're doing i've been listening to the podcast the number of episodes that are out there on uh, apple Podcasts. that's pretty much where where i'm stuck listening to them but uh, yeah absolutely love the content and i'm so excited to be here i appreciate that man i love your content as well what you guys do is uh is nothing short of of god's work for us mma betters and even mma fans out there so on behalf of everybody that watches your show we appreciate it um UFC 265 this week, and I haven't watched Fight Night Picks yet, so I'm very interested to hear your thoughts for the first time on these fights. We'll talk about the bigger fights, and then kind of uh, we, we could go into some of the smaller ones and then some of the upcoming ones. But uh, we'll start with uh, Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. I think that'd be my favorite fight, at least the one I'm looking forward to most on this upcoming card. What are your overall thoughts on this one? Who do you have? Well, let, let me say first, Michael Chiesa is now a plus 100, move from a plus 140 on the open of Vicente Luque. Now a minus 120 and open to minus 160. So money is moving in Kiesa's favor. Let me hear your thoughts on it, on that movement and on the fight overall. Why are you most excited for this one? Uh, that, that's that's the thing that I want to know. Because to me, I, I looked at this one myself and Matt. Um, you know, poor Matt, since before we kind of entered into the MMA media sphere, was just obviously a fan like we all are. And one of his favorite guys to watch for the longest time was Vicente Luque. Seeing the ceiling being there, fighting maybe not the highest levels of competition on the way up through, but beating them in impressive fashion. Like, you want to see a top prospect. And then all the way into, hey, we fight Wonder Boy. We don't necessarily win, but put on a good showing. And now we're here. And, oh, by the way, he just finished Tyron Woodley in impressive fashion. Now, I know a lot of people have recently, but... The part and parcels of Vicente Luque's game have been there for a long time. The defensive submissions that you have to watch out for. The absolute lightning Muay Thai when it's on the feet. You have to watch out for this guy in every single facet of the game. He doesn't go away. If the Korean zombie had a second in command in terms of the zombie nation, I think Vicente Luque is one of those guys out there. And he's a controlled brawler, which you love to see. For Michael Chiesa, though... You look at that line movement, that being the question. I mean, I think these guys might close in on par when it comes into fight night. He's definitely the more recognizable name. If we're talking in terms of uh, ultimate fighter lineage, I mean, Michael Chiesa won a season. Vicente Luque got close, but he didn't overall uh, win his season. But for Chiesa, 
It's just the level of opponent that he's faced to. I mean, both these guys have only lost to the highest names for Vicente Luque. What is it? The Leon Edwards of the world. Uh, the Wonder Boy Thompsons. For Chiesa, I mean, his first UFC loss was Jorge Masvidal. But since then, Pettis, Lee, Joe Lozon. Like, those guys are no scrubs. Obviously, you love the uh, the the size advantage that Chiesa has over not just the lightweights that he fought, but all of a sudden he's a giant welterweight. He was able to use his physicality against a longer guy on Neil Magny in his last fight. Chiesa looked amazing in that fight, and especially the fact that he was a slight underdog in that fight, coming in, getting the win. You know exactly what he's going to do every time out there. His his striking, I wouldn't say it's green, but it's definitely not his most developed or accentuated um, you know, parcel of his game. He's primarily a grappler. He's going to look to take you up against the fence, dump you down, get a lot of top control, get that pressure, and then ultimately ground you out for a submission. In this fight, I like Vicente Luque, again, for the parts and parcels of his game. He's one of the hardest hitters at 170 pounds. And I think with those defensive submissions, it has to give Michael Case a pause, whether he's going in on a high single, whether he's going in for a double, all of a sudden now I have to watch out for an elbow. And even in some of those uh, positions up against the cage where we're clinching, you have to worry about the elbows, you have to worry about the knees. So I like Luque in this fight, but I can see why that line's shifting more towards Chiesa, just due to the fact that he's so good at that one area of his game. For sure. And I think you brought up an interesting point. And I guess that is why I'm not understanding this line movement fully. I think people are disrespecting in some regard Vicente Luque's not only defensive grappling, but offensive grappling. Look, I don't think he's going to try to submit Michael Chiesa, but the people I've seen on Twitter this week, people trying to compare Vicente Luque's uh, defensive takedowns and, and, and takedown defense towards Neil Magny's. And I think that's a that's a huge stretch. I think Vicente Luque is much more polished in the defensive grappling region that he is. I don't think that's, you know, a far-fetched thing to say than Vicente Luque. Why I think I like this fight so much, one, it's a little bit personal because Vicente Luque uh, came on my podcast maybe two and a half years ago, and not many people, obviously the hardcores did, but not many of the casual people knew his name. And when people give me time like that, I always do watch out for them. And Vicente has been one of those success stories. But from a fight, I think, like you said, it's definitely a clash of styles, but I think it'll be interesting to see if it does stay on the feet and, and Chiesa can't successfully take Luke down, or at least early, how that looks. I guess more interested. I, I don't want to say excited. Maybe excited was a bad word. I'm, I'm intrigued by this fight. I'm intrigued <laughs> to see whose style you know prevails. I'll be honest with you. I'm leaning Chiesa right now. I don't like that the money is coming in on him because usually on pay-per-view cards, I try to go the other way. But right now, I would lean Chiesa just based off that grappling because I do think at some point he'll be able to take Luke down. I do think, and I always tell my friends this, this is one of those fights that I think is a good live bet candidate because I think if Chiesa can get him down early, I think he'll be able to do that in the second and the third round. I'll, 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 you know, Luke's cardio is one of the best, but I think that'll be an interesting thing to do. I wouldn't bet this fight off the bat, but I think a live bet is 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 in the cards here for myself. For sure. And I mean, I, I can't wait to see the ads to Chiesa's game. I mean, I had to kind of go back to that a lot on this card. There's a lot of different fighters that either, you know, it's their second time out, it's their third time out, or they've had a long layoff, so on and so forth. And it's just fear of the unknown. And for Michael Chiesa, I mean, not that it's been such a long time since the last time that he fought, but he's been in this weird role where it was always uh, sick jitsu. It was always Pacific Northwest, Sam Cecilia, those guys. Now, all of a sudden, he's got that commentary role with the UFC. He's in Vegas more often. He trains at Syndicate. He's at the PI. 
what's he been able to add to his game? And maybe it's working and drilling with a guy that you saw win the main event last weekend, Sean Strickland. Guys of that caliber and of that size, too. I think Kies is only going to get better even where he's at in his game. So I am eager to see it from that perspective. But like you said, I mean, for Luke, he's just one of those guys. I, I think he has all the tools. It's just bringing them together. This is another one of those big fights. So we'll, we'll just have to see, I guess. And, and to, to to continue with the big fights, I guess the next one we have to talk about is Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. And let me preface this by saying, you know, I, I, I say it on Twitter a lot, and I mean you follow each other on Twitter, and I'm sure you agree with this sentiment, that I would rather see either of those fights, Chiesa Luque or Aldo Munoz, in a five-round co-main slot on a pay-per-view yep. card, opposed to Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler, or even Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, for that matter. I think both of these fights would be well, much more well-versed in that role than those two fights. You agree? That's the funniest thing. You, so you didn't listen to Fight Night Picks this week <laughs> because I know that that was exactly what I had to say for for Aldo Munoz. I mean, look at Pedro Munoz. I, you know, you're you're a New Jersey guy, right? So you definitely had Frank Yeager winning that fight. I, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I, I had I had uh, Pedro Munoz winning the fight against Frank Yeager. It was a really close fight, but to say it was so close, it was a great one. Five rounds. Those fights are almost built for Pedro Munoz. You could say the same thing for Jose Aldo, but I mean, geez, all of a sudden he's a three-round king and he looks great against Marlon Vera. I wonder in this fight if we get to see Jose Aldo try and attempt certain takedowns. I mean, in the third round of the fight against Marlon Vera, we saw him kind of switch up the game plan a little bit from what we'd seen in the first and the second. Is Munoz going to come out guns blazing in the first round? Is he going to whip the leg kick? Is he going to try and work the body of Jose Aldo? Is he going to tire him out, then try and implement some of his grappling? Because... For Munoz, he gets to a point in certain fights where he can just bite down on the mouthpiece, he can plant and throw, and that works against certain guys, especially it did against Cody Garbrandt when they fought. But Jose Aldo's a different guy. His footwork's still there. It all depends on what Jose Aldo shows up to as far as, hey, is this going to be the Jose Aldo that throws kicks? Is this going to be the guy that got hurt against Ricardo Lamas? Like, what guy are we going to get in this one? I had a really hard time coming up with a pick for this one honestly i was 50 50 going into the video so hopefully you know when i drop little nuggets like that um people can realize how kind of undecided i am with the pick i went with munoz in this one matt went with aldo but this is one of those ones that i'm going to kind of throw around until the end of the week i ultimately make a pick on saturday that's what i go with but i really do have a hard time with this one I'm with you there. And for the line, Aldo open minus 138 now sits at a minus 119. Munoz open a plus 115. Now a minus 104. So the money is coming in on Munoz. It's gradual. I looked at the graph on best fight odds. So that's interesting to see. Now, I guess the question for this one that I'm struggling with, I've done a little bit of film study so far. And I, I wanted to ask you, if you had to guess, who would you think initiates the grappling? And to parlay off that question, Whoever initiates the grappling, do you think that'll be the successful victor fighter? Well, that's a funny thing, right? Because with Jose Aldo, in terms of his grappling, everybody kind of talks about it in this air of mysteriousness, almost like Anderson Silva. And it's a cheap comparison because they're both Brazilian. But with Anderson Silva, it was his striking is so good. You think that his grappling is so good. You see him kind of training his grappling. You'd see it primarily on Instagram or wherever, but it's one of those ones where once you get to the ground, you have to worry about it unless you're Chael Sonnen. And, you know, we saw how that played out in the first one of their fights. But to me, when I look at it, I, I assume Jose Aldo's ground game is great. 
I would also assume that Pedro Munoz is probably the guy that's going to be working the takedowns first. I mean, he's been training at American Top Team for some time now. You have to consider the world-class grapplers that he trains with under 155 pounds. The guy that I think of off the top of my head at 155 that in terms of wrestling technique and takedown attempts that's just recently joined the gym in the last year to two years is Mateusz uh, Gamrot. He's the guy that I think if you had Pedro Munoz and Gamrot coming up with a game plan to go against Aldo, maybe a bite down on the mouthpiece for a little bit, but you can't brawl with Aldo, so you're probably going to have to take him down. I would assume that it's Munoz, and I say that because I think he would do it in the first and the second rounds, whereas Jose Aldo we've seen maybe later stages of the second, third is when he's going to grapple. So I would have to answer with Munoz on that one. Well, first, a word from a local sponsor. With up to 400 potential matches a month, you can make each and every one matter by having skin in the game with MyBookie.ag. Whether you're placing a wager on your favorite team, player, or just looking for kicks, MyBookie gives you the best odds and tons of options to make all your favorite sports a hell of a lot more exciting. Bet on UFC, take advantage of odds on UFC 265 this upcoming weekend, or hit up the MyBookie Casino for the full-fledged experience where weekly blackjack tournaments give you and your friends a crack at prize pools of up to $50,000. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use our promo code BOBEANS to get your first deposit match up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you, so use our promo code BOBEANS to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. But anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie, sign up now at mybookie.ag. And now back to the interview. And it's interesting because, you know, right now, like you said, on this one, I'm pretty undecided. I lean Aldo. But I think a lot of people are looking at Aldo by points. I think that 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 method of victory prop sits at around a plus 190 right now. And I don't want to say a plus 190 is chalky, but in this case, in this certain scenario, I do think that could ring true. I think Pedro Munoz, and I hate to say it, by KO plus 500 is live. And I, I don't want to I don't want to just throw that out there because I'm not one of those people that does bet on those big plus money plays. But I think a lot of people are looking at Aldo to win, and I think a lot of people are looking at Aldo to win by points. And I would not be surprised if Pedro Munoz goes out there and stops him. I mean, fight fight goes the decision open to minus one eighty. I've got the best fight odds as well. Um, you know, most of the lines still sit there relatively. I think it's a minus one seventy seven average. So maybe that's one that you like. I would think, you know, like you said, maybe Munoz is able to get it done, and if he is, more than likely by finish. But, uh, yeah, it, it is a really tricky one. Well-matched, and I wish it was five rounds. I'm with you there. And that leads us into our, our the, the main event that I, I do want to hear your overall thoughts on as a fight. Not only, you know, the technical aspect of it, but a fight overall. We have Derek Lewis open a plus 275. Hasn't moved much. Is now a plus 285. And then Cyril Gunn open a minus 325 and is now a minus 370. So there is a little bit of money coming in on Gone. That's a pretty inflated line. Gradual money's coming in on through the week. And I think that line will continue to inflate. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at a minus 400 come Saturday. What are your thoughts on this overall as a fight? And then we'll go there first. What do you think about this as a fight? It's tough to say that it's a squash match because of every single thing that Derek Lewis brings into a cage. You know, if you watch a silhouette of both of these guys, Cyril Gaon is a heavyweight that moves, and I, I, you know, I already used the name, but he moves almost like a Wonder Boy Thompson if Wonder Boy was 265 pounds. He's light on his feet, he's airy, he hops up and down on the balls, but you look at it, he switches stances, he can pump the jab from either stance, he can throw high kicks, he can throw to the body, he can throw to the legs, so on and so forth. He has all of the things that you see in a kickboxer, but, oh, by the way, almost similar to a Tom Aspinall, when I want to take the fight down to the mat, 
I can do so. Now for Aspinall, he teaches jujitsu. He's a great jujitsu teacher. It just so happens that he used to train with uh, Tyson Fury and he's only worked his boxing the last number of years. And that's why he's so well-rounded for Cyril gone for a guy that's only nine and oh, he's not your average nine and oh fighter. He wouldn't be, you know, an average fighter getting an opportunity like this. Right. So when Cyril gone popped onto my radar, he was fighting for TKO here in Quebec, Canada. He took on a guy named Adam Dykesa, and for a lot of people, they might not know who Adam Dykesa was, but I was following his career, and it just so happened that it collided with Cyril Gaon. Adam Dykesa fought Gaon, lost, and it was his first pro loss. This was back in 2018. Adam Dykesa hasn't fought in MMA since. He's only fought in boxing. Like, he totally derailed Adam Dykes' career. So, boom, I'm on the train. I have to watch every single fight. He beats Hodger Souza over with TKO. That was back in 2019. Punches his ticket to the UFC. The rest is history. To me, Cyril gone. even when he came into the UFC, he had less than five pro MMA fights at the time. What was it? It was only three. You could tell that he was special. I started the future champ thing with him. Derek Lewis hits like a train, has the strangest cardio, and as long as he comes into a fight fit and ready with no injuries, he's a live opponent. He's got that just get up attitude where he conserves energy on bottom. As long as he's not kind of eating a lot of punishment or taking on a wrestler like Daniel Cormier, he can get out of most terrible positions. You saw that in his second to last fight against Alexei Olenek. Look at what he was able to do. Whether it was a scarfold choke, whatever it was, he could power out of it or wait it out. And then ultimately earn the finish. A lot of people consider me not picking Derek Lewis as disrespect, as shade. Listen, I think this guy is one of the best fighters out there. He definitely deserves a shot again. But to me, Gon has all of those tools. Can he win at long range? Yes. Can he win in short range? Well, he evades just about every shot that comes at him. And even when he eats heavy shots, like he did in certain spots in the Volkov fight, he's able to roll with them. He's great in the clinch. He's great when the fight hits the mat. I favor Gon in every aspect of this fight. But of course, the scary thing here is the fact that Derek Lewis, perennial underdog, is able to knock out these guys. And even in fights that he's losing, like when he fought Marcin Tabora, like when he fought Volkov. And those guys, that was just announced today that those guys are going to face off. But he's able to get these crazy wins. So you can never count Derek Lewis out. But in saying that, I'm I'm counting Derek Lewis out. I've got Cyril gone on this one. I'm with you there, but I think you, you brought up a good word about Derek Lewis, which is live. At a plus 285, when you have power like Lewis does to literally end a fight in one punch, one knee, one whatever, because like you said, he's so versatile in the strikes that he throws, throws head kicks, wheel kicks, eh, you know, everything, everything but the kitchen sink. I think Derek Lewis at plus 285, there is value. But like you said, Cyril Gaon in every facet of mixed martial arts, maybe not every, but damn near close to it, is just a better mixed martial artist. Like I said, I'm going to pick him, and I agree with you. But my question for this fight is, what type of Cyril Gaon fight do you think we see? Do you think we see a Cyril Gaon versus Jarzinho Rusenstrike where he tries to get in the clinch and just kind of in the face? Or do you think he tries to stay at range and, and, and just throws his variety of strikes that he can, stay on the outside and not try to get hit? Uh, I think what he did in the fight against Rosenstrike was obviously the smartest thing. I mean, you look at Rosenstrike usually from range, unless it's the, it's the Overeem where it was a little bit closer and Overeem moving in. It was Cyril gone. He's able to kind of dictate the pace. He's able to dictate the length. Once he figures out your game plan, you're done. So when he's taking on a guy like Volkov, we can play the long range game, which seems silly for me to say because Volkov is, you know, normally so much bigger than his opponents in terms of not just weight, but length, reach, so on and so forth. He's able to play that game against Rosenstrike, close the gap. 
I think against a guy like Derek Lewis, if you can just kind of pick him apart, pick him apart, pick him apart in the first round, second round, maybe you get a little closer. Third round, you get a little bit closer and maybe even starts to threaten with some of those takedowns. Um, I could see the fight playing out that way. But yeah, I mean, with Derek Lewis, you look at a lot of his finishes overhand, right? We're throwing an uppercut. It's it's. It's usually a little bit more in the pocket that you have to worry about him. I mean, again, he has his own long-range weapons. You talked about it. I mean, Derek Lewis could open the fight with a wheel kick. I don't think you or I would be surprised. Am I right in saying that? Like, he's, he's such a weird fighter. So I, I think Gon's going to be able to dictate the pace. Could I be wrong? Yeah, a knockout punch really kind of ends that one. But I, I think he's going to start from range, pick away, work in tight, try and work a takedown. I agree with you. I, gone by points is plus 180, which I think there is some juice there. But I would not be surprised if this fight does get into the third, fourth, fifth round. If Gon's takedowns and clinch are a little bit more powerful and he's got more top control and Lewis's cardio not evades him but starts to slow down, I wouldn't be surprised if Gon finishes him, say, in the fourth round, maybe a little bit later in the fight. Yeah, I mean, like, you've seen it. Cyril Gon being able to dictate the pace. We kind of touched on it in our video, but, like, you fight Dante Mays, and, and somebody might go, oh, well, geez, you know, Dante Mays is not ranked. He hasn't fought good competition. He hasn't had good wins. But at Dante Mays' core, if you go and watch his best performances, he's able to implement his boxing, which is incredibly crisp. It's his premier technique, and that's what got him to the dance. That's why he's in the UFC. But you look at the way that Cyril Gon was able to beat him, he beat him in every aspect there, and then near the end of the fight, just made a split-second decision like, okay, well, this is fun. I'm going to take him down now. And then near the end of the fight, okay, well, I'm going to go for a heel hook. And then he submits him by heel hook. Like, how many heavyweights are getting, you know, with 14 seconds left in a fight, a heel hook victory? There's there's not many that can do that. He played the striking game with Tanner Bozer on the outside. He won that test. Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of one of those homer stands if you will i'm 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 planting the flag i thought that Cyril gone could become a champ from an early uh you know point in his career like i said with three pro fights but i can't wait for this one and and i really do think he's he's got a great opportunity here i'm with you there well that those are the those are the 265 fights i want to talk about and i have two more questions for you before i let you go the one is is kind of overall 2021 ufc we'll go booked which booked fight or, or, or close to book, verbally agreed upon, you, you, you get the deal. What fight are you looking for to most, not only from a betting perspective, just to watch as a fan? So this this is always a tricky one. I mean, like I said, I I absolutely get up for the, the Volkov-Tibora-type fights. I'm really excited about the uh, the rematch between Makachev taking on Dos Anjos. And I say rematch, it's just a rebooking, but that fight was supposed to happen some time ago. And then if you go down through the list, there's a lot of really good ones, um, but if I really had to pick one and you put me on the spot, I'm going to go way off the board. I think that Mateusz uh, Nikolaou and uh, Tim Elliott, that's a fight that you can't miss. I mean, for Nikolaou, the talk, and you know he's fresh in my mind too because Manal Kopp's got a fight against Ode Osborne on this card, but you look at the fight between Nikolaou and Kopp, and the question was, it's not if, it's when Nikolaou is going to be able to take Cop down. And ultimately, Nikolaou's striking looked great. You have to ask the same questions about, you know, the awkward MMA of, uh, you know, Tim Elliott. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to that one. It should be a scramble fest. On the feet, it's going to be wild. Tim Elliott's the type of guy that gets rocked and then sometimes gets better and sometimes doesn't. So that's one of those ones. I'm, I'm a flyweight, never die type of guy. I can't wait for that one. I'm a big flyweight fan too. But let me ask you, though, Nikolaou, uh, Nikolaou Manel. 
did you did you agree with that decision? Because I would uh, I, I will say first on here that I was on the wrong <laughs> side of that one. <laughs> I I thought Manel won that one. I mean, you know, one round separated them, and you look at what uh, you look at the results on MMA decisions. Watch the fight, and then look at the way the judges scored it. And I just I had to shake my head on that one. I'm with you there. I, I for, for me for that question, you went off the board. I like that answer. On the board, I would say. Hopefully it gets all agreed upon. I didn't see if it was. I saw they were talking about it again to reschedule it. I think Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway is not only a huge oh. fight, just just an unbelievable fight in general, but such high stakes for the 145-pound division. I can't wait for that one. Hopefully everything goes well and it, and it goes on as planned this time. And I mean, to throw one quick one out there, it was announced today, but uh, finally somebody decided to sign the bow sheet and fight the the Ralph Lauren male model that was the former champion of middleweight, Luke Rockle, taking on Sean Strickland. I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting test for uh, a comeback for Luke Rockhold. It's, it's interesting, too, because I tweeted out, you know, Luke Rockhold, his comeback fight last time, what was that, July 2019, when he fought Rockhold, or when he fought Jan mm-hmm. and lost, that was Jan's springboard. That Jan hasn't lost a fight since then, and it started his win streak that's now landed him, you know, in champion territory. Is that going to be the same springboard for Sean Strickland? It, it, it'd definitely be interesting to see, and I'm, uh, yeah, that's a great fight as well. 100%. Let me uh, let me ask you before I let you go, because I saw, you know, not not so much about, you know, fight night picks, but I saw you guys are getting into the cards and I, I've had a bunch of guys on here with sports cards and talking about it. And I haven't really been able to talk because not a lot of people are well versed in it with at least UFC cards. And I, I, let me ask you, I want to know your thoughts on it. And I want to know, I guess, why more people like us i mean we're obviously fans of the sport and fans of the cards but i thought when ufc cards came out or at least the panini prism and the select why wouldn't more people get into the hobby that are just fans of mixed martial arts i was very surprised that a lot of people aren't into the hobby yet that's a tough one to answer and i won't go too far off on a tangent but i will say you know for me it was one of those things where my dad had hockey and baseball cards so then when i was a kid i had hockey and baseball cards but i was the type of person and to really relate into MMA too, the the reason why I like it so much, I was the kid that would grab Sports Illustrator for kids. I grab my David Ortiz cards and I memorize every stat off the back of the magazine or in the magazine and off the back of the card. I'd recite them. I'd play the sports games. That was kind of how I get into sports. And that's how I kind of, you know, push myself into the MMA sphere. So when I saw that there was a lot of hype behind these cards and that's the trouble, um, then I looked at the price. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people kind of shying away from it. And I don't mean shying away in a negative light, but I'm looking right now and I was looking at them this morning. We've got a card store here um, on the East Coast and they've got and they just put these on there in the last couple of days. 2021 Panini Select UFC Hobby Box. A thousand and fifty dollars. Find two autographs and one memorabilia card. Nobody can afford that. Like that's that's insane so yeah it's it's crazy and i mean i tried to kind of enter the space like i don't know three four years ago i picked up a few hobby boxes on ebay and now i go and i look uh i picked up a 2012 panini signature series baseball box for 42 dollars. the same box right now is selling i don't know 150 bucks or more so just to see where the prices went from three or four years ago to what they're at now and the same can be said about anything lumber housing whatever but the the entry point on these cards, it's way too much for for most people to get into. I, I do agree with you, and that's a good point. But I I will say this: 
at least from my perspective, because I, I'm not only MMA cards. I've been collecting cards since I was a young kid. I, I've stacked up a pretty nice collection. But I tell my friends this that want to bet on MMA, and I guess this could go for any sport, but MMA is a little bit more um, initial and it's it's more instant. So Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler just a few months ago, for example, uh, my friends asked me who I like. I said Charles Oliveira, but let me tell you this. I wouldn't bet on him at his line. I would go on eBay, go buy his UFC Panini Prism card. They were going for two bucks at the time. I said, go buy 10 of them, spend $20, use that as your bet. One of my friends listened to me. Bought, he, he actually got a lot of 12 of them for 20 bucks. Those 12 he sold for, I think, six bucks a piece the night after he won. Uh, you're getting Charles Oliveira if you like him at a plus 250 line instead of a minus 160 that he was. I guess I, I try to preach this him on the podcast. I don't think many people listen to me, but it's a... You're not losing all your purse if you're going to start buying cards and looking for them as an investment or at least a bet. So, and then the quick one for me, uh, what was it? Shoy Otani's rookie season. Was rookie card 2018? Yeah. I bought 20 Shoy Otani rookie cards, and then I bought, you know, four or five hobby boxes. I ended up with a few more Shoy Otani rookie cards. I think I spent 50, maybe 60 bucks on a lot of 20 of them. Like, yeah, you, it, it's it's a tricky game to play. Um, the box breaker game, we're doing it, you know, it's fun for us because it's something we did as kids. You get excited about it. You film the videos. And we've got a big stock of these videos now, and they span different sports. But it's it's an investment game that you can play. Yeah, you're, you're right. Same thing. And uh, if you're looking at it that way, that's a, that's a really smart way to do it because your odds um, on those Panini cards, I guess they are quite good, aren't they? You would hope so, at least, right? No, that's all, yeah, that's, all, yeah. that's all I have for you today, Craig. I appreciate the insight on these fights. I appreciate the card talk. You know, it's always good to to talk to, you know, fellow MMA fans and uh, obviously hardcores like m myself and you. Just to get thoughts on it from a technical aspect, not just an odds aspect, and it's good. And I, I think UFC 265 should deliver, especially the fights that we talked about. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And thanks so much for finally having me on. Yeah, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. All right.